We're not falling for bananas in the tailpipe. Beverly Hills Cop Mac and Cheese, next. When your weekend's all spin up and Monday's coming down the pike, sometimes all you need is a little comfort to get you through to Monday. Mac and Cheese Movies, where we believe in comfort food and comfort movies. Coming to you live from the Beverly Palms Hotel. Except it's really great by Texas. Hello, welcome to Mac and Cheese Movies. I'm Scotty Coppage, and she's sitting on top of the world with Michael Jackson, Shannon Coppage. Ow! <laughs> we also have the man who ruined the buffet at the Harrow Club this morning, and the woman who lured Taggart and Rosemont into a dereliction of duty at a strip tease establishment, Georgia Carey Villadiego. Hello. <laughs> Do you think I'm a nasty girl? <laughs> We have shrimp po'boy sliders from delish.com. Yep, and uh, we made it. How we made it, uh, there's like the breading, the spread for the bread, which sounds vaguely sexual. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I felt there, there were like th- there were like three stories about some of these ingredients. But uh, for the shrimp, basically whisked t- together the milk and eggs, um, and then in a separate large bowl, flour, cornmeal, Cajun seasoning, and dried thyme. Uh, seasoned with salt and pepper, and basically dredged the shrimp through the milk mixture, tossed it in the flour mixture until it was coated, and fried it in y'all's lovely, uh, I don't know, cast iron skillet. It was awesome. Uh, And about two inches of oil, and then put it on a uh, towel-lined plate, a paper towel-lined plate to like kind of make them crispier. And uh, for the spread, it was mayonnaise, mustard, lemon juice, hot sauce, there was supposed to be parsley in it, but I completely I forgot about it. <laughs> they were like, what's in that bag? And, mm-hmm. Oh, that was probably parsley that I did not use. And that was while we were eating said sliders. Uh, and then there were green onions, which I which I did use. I remembered those. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then you just build them. Uh, but so there were three different... Scotty, when he was going to purchase these, he asks me, like, so is iceberg lettuce like a different lettuce or is it just cold? I love it. And, and I'm like, no, it's a different lettuce. It, like, comes in, like, a, a little head of lettuce, you know? It's like a little round ball of lettuce. Basically, it's the cheapest lettuce. It's the cheapest lettuce. And he gets to the store and he's not seeing anything that says iceberg lettuce. So what did you do, Scotty? I, I stopped a woman um, <laughs> and I was like, excuse me, um, is iceberg lettuce the same as regular lettuce? Is it just like cold lettuce? Like, no, it's like a specific kind of lettuce. I don't see it here right now though. Um, I, I, I love how this lady, did she just die laughing? I would have died laughing before I answered that was, question. She was a lot more supportive than my wife. Uh, am, I, am I being so punked right now? <laughs> you believe that the iceberg and iceberg lettuce was, it's con, like it's condition, it, like it's temperature? <laughs> I don't know anything about lettuce, uh, so that lettuce like downed the Titanic. You yes. Know? <laughs> yes. Oh well. Uh, yeah, it's just the it's the one that you make um, delicious, um, like po' boy sandwiches, Hayway tacos out of, or Hayway tacos, or like uh, lettuce, uh, P.F. Chang lettuce oh, wraps, lettuce wraps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they've got the big leaves. Yeah. Uh, then it's, we then it's we the kind of lettuce at your uh, at your samurai. 
and we saw falls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you usually get they give you the whole core, yeah. the core of the actual head. Right. Your bowl. Well, and most and most like salads at like diners in Texas, you know, it's just like this hunk of <laughs> yeah. iceberg lettuce and like this mealy tomato. It's slightly sad. I think how you're right. That's why you gotta draw like, it. Everything ranch. you described here, I think, took a lot of time and like patience. I could see you like diligently doing each of these steps. Except I, thought, I didn't measure anything. I thought the best part, though, I noticed that I noticed like, she was not me- measuring anything. presentation, I thought, was the best part. Thank you. I appreciate that. That, that makes me it feel real great. good. Yeah, actually, I was, because I'm in y'all's kitchen, and, you know, I'm just like, ugh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to ask for the measuring implements. Mm. And so there was one point where I was, like, shaking mayonnaise out of the jar. Um, I, <laughs> and, a lot of and Carrie was just like, what are you doing? I witnessed you shaking mayo and using a whisk to get it out of the container and then to use the whisk to spread it. I didn't understand that, but it tasted delicious. Yeah. I thought like I was just eyeballing and I was like, I feel like this is enough. Whatever you did, it was great. Also, when we get here, Scotty's like, so we brought a bunch of stuff and when we get here, you know, he's like, ah, oh, yeah, George had a bunch of this stuff. And so... I'm looking for everything, and yeah, we need two eggs, and there's only one egg, and uh, and so they're they're like, yeah, well maybe maybe I don't know, get one from the neighbor, and I'm like, cool, and so I'm like, I'm gonna get something to trade, <laughs> and got y'all's like candy bowl, your leftover Halloween candy bowl, and and and, and, and a shiner beer. <laughs> And, and he was like, "We got robbed on this deal." <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> oh, you definitely did. But was now, it just one beer that you took? It was just Shannon? one. Okay. Yeah, it was just you definitely did. But now you have this story with. Mm. Remember that crazy girl from you know that traded you an and she egg. Got invited to the party. Yeah. Got invited to their like one year old yeah. birthday party. And you were already in your PJs. I was already in my PJs. Axel <laughs> Foley right here. Axel Foley. She, Axel Foley way to that house. Yeah. I, I did. They well I I don't think that I think their security measures were a little lax because mm-hmm. like they just did they there's a glass door and they're just like, oh, come in and they don't know who I am and I'm like, Y'all don't know me. I'm just gonna put that out there. I would have been more like Rosewood. And would, would not have, have let you enter. You would have shouted through the like. like are you on the list? Door. You're not on the list. I can't let you. Yeah, exactly. No, but anyway, I was just like, hey, y'all, uh, we need another egg, and we don't want to drive to the store again. Yeah. <laughs> Do y'all have an extra egg? I have candy and or shiner, but I liked how George. He was like, if you're going to be taking the shiner, there are two houses in particular that you should focus on that might be receptive to sure. the shiner egg trade. Uh-huh. <laughs> They both would have been. And I, I feel like they, they were for this. They were like, Do you, are, are you sure that's all you need? I probably could have gotten a dozen eggs for that yeah. shiner. I feel like, I'm glad two was enough. But I feel like we could have got like a half dozen. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, but all we needed was one. I'm like, True. that's cool. Having, like, breakfast this morning, really so, appreciate it. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did not that's think. Not. It was not very forward thinking, mm-hmm. you know. But I, I, I could loved... have done the buffet. The the. The, like, buffet at the country club? Yes, we could have done that this morning. We're going to have, like, a unicorn. It, it, it wasn't, but it felt like it was, like, a unicorn made out of fruit, you know? <laughs> yes. Um, so, uh, I thought that, um, like I said, like, hopefully you got some good photos because I thought that the way they I looked didn't. was as good as it tasted. It was amazing. Thank Maybe. you. I think I, I, I think I took some photos. Scotty, who just ate the shrimp out of it, you know? They were just, like, <laughs> the, they were the buns. The shrimp was the best part. 
there were buns with like the lettuce and the tomato and it, you could see it's like a mouse came in and like ate you would this. think a seven-year-old child like had that plate <laughs> oh lord yeah and we um for dessert had banana yes. smoothies bananas bananas. Bananas. oh yeah we did which i prefer in a smoothie. smoothie state rather than just eating it as a banana. <laughs> yeah, me too. I don't like the texture of bananas. I mean, I don't mind them, but just something about um, I don't like, like just doing a very simple milk, ice, banana, a little bit of sugar. It was like, really good. Smoothie, yeah, like is um, it's satisfying to me, but it's like it's also like something my mother used to prepare for me like when I was a kid. I love that. So like very simple, but just. Nice treat every now and then. Mm-hmm. Kind of sweet. Kind of satisfies so that sweet tooth without being like terrible for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I still do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's awesome. No, they were very tasty. I really enjoyed it. I didn't really understand what you were doing with it, but now yeah. I'm like, ah, banana in the tailpipe. We had banana smoothies. Yep. Thanks, George. <laughs> Let's talk about our film this weekend, Beverly Hills Cop. Let's do first taste. When did you first see the movie and what is your relationship to it and why is it a mac and cheese movie? Who goes first? Do you want me to go first? Yes, Scott. I think you should go first. I didn't see it in the theater, uh, but I felt, what? Like, I felt like we always had it on VHS. My parents had it on vinyl. Um, they had it on vinyl? We had the record. You had um, a record movie? We had the soundtrack. The soundtrack. Oh, um, okay. I just watched <laughs> it one day and like, was blown away. And like, you know, you're an 80s kid. You see Eddie Murphy. You're like, yeah, this is my guy right here. Um, Trying to get your friends to watch it. You're young. You're into like R-rated Eddie Murphy. Um, I watch this movie every year, and parts of it on cable, like, for my whole life. Um, my whole life I wanted to be Axel Foley, and do, and do everything that he does, and marrying Axel Foley. My name is Axel Foley, my bus pass doesn't work. That's the only time I've really act. well now also I've traded an egg for a Shiner beer. Yeah. I, I, I don't feel like that took any skill, they're like, of course we will take this beer. <laughs> Yeah, the only other time is, yeah, I've talked my way onto a bus because my bus pass on my phone wasn't working. You know, it's, oh. I'd just, like, talk to them for, like, a minute, and they'd just be like, fine, get on the bus. <laughs> fine, just you, do you it. No, you're good for it. Just yeah, <laughs> that whole, like, $2, I'm right. really going to miss that. Yeah, so, yeah, Scotty likes to talk about me being Axel Foley. I don't feel like there's a lot of backup for this claim. <laughs> I agree with I'll, start keep, I'll start keeping a note keeping a Axel note. Foley shenanigans. Keeping a note. <laughs> Um, Carrie, what's your first taste on this movie? So my first taste of this movie was after my mom and dad went to see it at the movies, which they didn't do all the time, which was very exciting. It was a huge movie that year. It was a huge movie, and uh, our family members couldn't stop talking about it. And uh, everyone in our family that had seen it besides my mom and dad. My first, uh, I knew the soundtrack for the movie. And my mom came and picked me up from school one day, and she had gotten the soundtrack on cassette, was playing it in her Mitsubishi Montero. <laughs> And uh, I loved it. And we yes. listened to that I probably until that cassette just fell apart. So I knew the soundtrack before the movie, so that was kind of cool. And um, again, exactly, I wasn't old enough to see it at the movies, but uh, same with Scotty. Uh, revisited it many times. It was constantly on cable. And b- before that, you know, yeah, like just on VHS, just watching it over and over. I kind of miss that about like the old like the cassettes and the VHS, you know, because you would watch it so many times that it would fall apart and you'd have to get it again. Yeah. And there was oh, almost no. kind of like some glory included in that. It'd be like, yeah, I watched Sandlot so many times, yeah. I like wore it out. I play a favorite Wait, movie so much times. that eventually, uh, I remember Becca and I put in a movie and the movie still played, but 
the tape was so old that um, it sounded like they were underwater. Oh, really? Yeah, that happened to us with like two or three different movies. Man, the VCR must have just been eating those tapes up. <laughs> we were playing it so much. Uh, I, 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 we had it, we had it on a VHS tape, but that's not when I first saw it. Like, I feel like when I first saw this movie, it was like legit. Like it was like a visit to the video store to like go rent it because it had just come out like it had just dropped like on, on VHS for like rental um, and it was in New York and I remember seeing it with like you're in New York and uncles nice. um, you're so fancy and seeing it uh, repeatedly like that like that weekend um, while and, you had the and then VHS I, was, and I had to be like six years old seven years old wow yeah that right? sounds about yeah. right and they would have me like act out some of the scenes. Ah. <laughs> so, like I have vivid memories of, Which like, scenes? of acting out the scene when he's in the truck. He's like, yo man, the truck, it just stopped. It just stopped. He's like, anyone, do you have any jumper cables? Give me a jump. Like I remember acting out the scene and they would just laugh and laugh. Like I was like, I was, I was actually fully entertaining my family the way that Eddie Murphy describes his kind of beginnings and him discovering when he was funny, although I'm not nearly as funny. I was at pretending to be Axel Foley. So, um, but that's what my, one of my most vivid memories of this movie and watching it with extended family that you know, I don't get to see that often. So I love that. You know, Pretty like cool. 20 years from now to be like, when did you, when did you first see this movie? And it's like, well, I was scrolling through Netflix. You yeah. know? Right. And yeah. I went, yeah, that seems fun. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. You know, it's not it's not nearly as big. Or enough. Netflix chose it for me. The algorithm chose it for me. Yeah, That's you know, it's a, it's a little sad. We're not gonna have those stories. Yeah. It's true. Um, hey, you skipped me. Oh, what, what was your first case, Shannon? I don't she remember. Was Netflix. <laughs> yeah, she found it. no, Two no, years ago. I didn't. Did you see it for the first time with me? No, I didn't. Classes? I didn't see it for the first time with you. Although I. That's really when I really remember it, is uh, seeing it at Cinemark Classics. And, uh, but was it that one, or was it like the second one? It's the first one. Was it? Okay, because I remember like the, no right angles! That's, <laughs> we, we watched that on TV, because yeah. I said that you're like Axel Foley, because he's like, I'm Beverly Hills Building Inspector! And like, so stop working! Stop working! <laughs> it's like, and he like, is If like they want to live in a donut, place. they could live in a donut! <laughs> Oh, yeah. Okay, I just didn't want to be okay. left out, uh, even though I don't really have much to contribute. <laughs> we talked about this last this last summer. What character are you from Beverly Hills Cop, and why? Ooh. Uh, well, obviously, she, she I'm, is, Axel Foley. I'm Axel Foley. I can talk my way onto buses me. and into eggs. <laughs> uh, I'd say I got a little bit of everybody. I got a little bit of Taggart in me. I'm Taggart. Because <laughs> I'm like the buzzkill. Yeah. <laughs> I got a little bit of Taggart in me, but I feel like I have a little bit of like uh, Rosewood as well. Um, like Rosewood is kind of like... Innocent. He, but he also like does a good job of trying to actually connect with Axel Foley um, like as a person instead of being such a just kind of judgmental and, and even prejudicial. Like mm-hmm. I think he recognizes, hey... We have a cop connection, so we're 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 good because we're both cops. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the other ones want to treat him like a criminal. Who? Oh, by the way, oh, you're also a cop. You must be a bad cop. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, I feel like Taggart and Rosewood. Although I wish I had a little bit of Axel in me too. I'm you do have. Guy. You do have some Axel. 
So he what is the actual? Is the actual like charisma? Is it charm? It's is it, the charm and charisma. And, is, is that what it and is? Getting along with people and like all that. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, and I'm, ta- I'm Taggart. Taggart. Yeah. No one's gonna be like, best. "Hey, Scott, you're kind of like Axel Foley too." No. <laughs> I try to turn on some of that every now and then. You've got you've got charisma. It just yeah. has to be like I'm, he I'm, can just he can I'm just turn it on at will. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna punch George in the stomach here in a few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but I love I love Taggart though because he's like I don't know he he's the one that at the end like he's like let's do it you know and he's you've talked me into it you know I feel like this is a worthy and like screw the establishment mm-hmm. screw you know like we could get in a lot of trouble um, we could get thrown off the force. Yeah. yeah, and he was he was maybe the most valuable because he's you know he's like he gets the rifle, oh. he's well Rosewood takes totally like straight up stood up to him too. He's like mm-hmm. he's like you want to stop me? Shoot! Yeah, you know? yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, yeah. But maybe, he also maybe not that many people stand up to Tiger. Well, and when they're in the strip club, you know, and he's like, hey, you see this going on? And Tiger, he's a good, well-seasoned yeah. cop. He sees that he's there is something going on. Too, yeah. And so he's like, I want you to go over there and cover the... And so he does. He does. That's when he really starts trusting, mm-hmm. trusting Axel because he's like, oh, this guy isn't just a joke. Because I think, I think that's like the downside of Axel is people think that he's a joke, right. you know, and that there's nothing really to back that up. Well, he's really, just, he has pretty good police instincts. He does. Axel does. He's a real police. Police. What about you, Carrie? What are you what about you? I don't know. I'm definitely not Foley. Are you Jenny Summers? <laughs> I, I don't think I'm Jenny. That's so sexist. I thought you were, I thought you were Rosewood Jeez. when we talked about it. She's got to be the chick because there, there is... Is there any other female in the movie the, Does all? she have to be the female? No, I see your point. I'm freaking Axel Foley. But, yeah, and I, and I, I grant you that, but I'm just <laughs> trying to think, like, what other characters is there? I guess, I mean, I probably have a lot of com- a lot oh, common no. with Rosewood. I and like, yeah... Are. Yeah, I think so too. No, you're uh, you're Bogomil's boss. (laughs) Am I? Uh, What's his name? You're just saying that because she's your boss. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Um, What's his name? The one who can hear through walls. They can hear through walls. What are this? Is it second one? This Um, isn't like a superhero. No, that's what they said. They said, "What you can't hear through walls?" Like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Act out another scene, George. Maybe I am. Am I the boss? Uh, this, I'm scared Ta- to say Tiger, Tell me what really happened. No, no, but I, I think, like, the the chief, I don't know, like, I loved, like, that's, I'm thinking of the right guy, you right? Mean Bogomil? That, yes, and he, like, uh, because I loved him, because at the end, well, give me your report, and he just, like, fabricates that entire thing, mm-hmm. because he's backing his people up. Mm-hmm. Which is really you know? crazy how, like, le- legitimately, that's what's going to go to his report, and that's what's going to be, like... For the record, that's the what record. happened. Uh, this, I wonder if that really happens. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Like he but in this case, we're for it. Yeah, we're for it. We're pro, like, making up that report. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about the ingredients. This movie is Eddie Murphy breaking out in the biggest way possible. This movie was originally for Sylvester Stallone. Uh, Eddie, uh, Eddie, Eddie, Murphy, uh, Eddie Murphy got it when Stallone dropped out. He dropped out over like some orange juice or something in his trailer. Orange juice um, in his trailer. But he showed up for shooting. Yeah. And, and they it, were like, he's like... And, and the movie was going to be completely different. It was probably going to be more like Cobra um, than what we got. It wasn't supposed to be a straight up comedy like Yeah, this. like... Yeah. Comedy action flick. So they, they had to take like different versions of the script that they had put together over the last 10 years. Plus like Eddie Murphy ad-libbing and like coming up with stuff on the fly I mean, everything's his own. He steals the show in this like major way. 
Um, this I like how our first reaction to Sylvester Stallone yes. was supposed to be in this. We were, it was a sign of distaste. We were like, it, gross. <laughs> that would have been awful. It's really interesting to think about like, what was the intent of the script when it was sent to Eddie Murphy? Like, was it still supposed to be like an action movie? An action movie. No, I think they were, I think that point, they, they were on board with this needs, to, this needs to be a comedy. Now. And they're like, we need to do something else with it. I think that's what this director is kind of like. This director kind of veers and adapts and does some changes based with, on with who movies. he's got he isn't like hey this is exactly what we're doing and we're locked in and I know exa- he's not like David Fincher I mean he's he's gonna be able to like change things up he's more flowy which is like I think that's what you need to do when you have like someone like Eddie Murphy in your movie like that talent yeah like that talent like you'll let them flourish um, we are talking about you know, if Martin Scorsese was directing this, because he was allowed to talk about him directing it, it's like it'd be like a completely different movie because it'd be like a Scorsese film and like maybe tamp Eddie down a little bit. I think it would be very um, dark. So it's film. like, <laughs> so Martin Brest is like the perfect person to direct this movie. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, agreed. Yeah, no, Eddie Murphy. God, this is like his heyday. Oh, this is it. You know, this, this is it. I mean, he was on Saturday Night Live, and then he's in Forty Eight Hours, and then he's in this. He's like, there's no like partner with him I mean it's him and he like and he can carry it though he I, I, I feel like I feel like we talk about a lot of actors about a, a 23 year he's 23 old. years old Eddie Murphy yeah wow. god he was 23 me, me at 23 what have we been doing with our lives <laughs> watching movies we've been doing life wrong <laughs> we could have been in this movie watching movies <laughs> oh man no that's amazing because I mean, we I talk mean, about so many actors like they thought that he was going to be this huge star and like all this, and he is, but he can't carry the film, you know, kind of that. Eddie Murphy can completely carry a film just by himself almost. He had this like 10 year run that was like freaking, he was on fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say, um, he, even going back to, I'm trying to think of the, the last thing I saw in the theater that he put out, but I mean, he got me through my childhood. Yeah, with every movie that you put mm-hmm. out, mm-hmm. and it may not be something that I, I probably wasn't at the age where I'm just going to the movies all the time, but I, his movies were prevalent. You know? And I even really like Golden and Child. His stand-up. Yeah, um, the stand up's great. Yeah, the stand up was like I remember probably not being old enough to listen to the things I was listening to because um, I wasn't or understanding like, what's being said. Yeah. yeah, coming out, mm-hmm. and, and I was probably I don't know in single digits mm-hmm. age, like Ava's age, eight or nine. <laughs> Watching Eddie Murphy's um, And I would just watch those things yeah. repeatedly. I mean, he was, like, you think about, like, and I think of him as almost like a, as a stand-up, too, for that reason. Like, who are my favorite stand-ups? And, I mean, he's right up there with, like, you know, Carlin, mm-hmm. um, you know, Seinfeld. Like, I think these guys, are, like, obviously not Carlin, but, I mean, these guys, a lot of these guys are, like, good friends. Chris Rock, Jerry yeah. Seinfeld, Eddie Murphy. Like, they, like, have really long-standing friendships, too, because they grew up in the comedy like sellers together and they and, feed and off work. of each other they so. feed off of each other you, I think you have to have that to get through that because from what you hear it's I mean you're putting yourself out there it's mm-hmm. not like you're just becoming this role you're no you're drawing on your personal experience and you're putting that out in front of people and there's a certain kind of like metal that comes from that yeah. Jeff, Jeff Garland said that he stopped doing stand up because he was like people in the club were like other comedians were kind of like F you when he got like big and famous and stuff it's like Really? It's not fun to like be around oh. like other comedians and stuff. It's like it needs to be kind of like friendships and brotherhood and stuff. Um, and it's like kind of if that's you're going to be like this when I get successful, like right, I'm not going to do it. So it's like, yeah. You think it'd be the other way around. Like all of a sudden he has all this cash, all this money that he's just like, 
he's gonna have a very closed circle. Yeah, and also, I mean, he, what is he gonna talk about with like the normal person when he's got, would you say, like 160 million dollars? He's worth, according to celebritynetworth.com, he's, uh, <laughs> worth 160 million dollars. Wow. So it's hard to relate, I think. Yeah, of course. Very hard. But Seinfeld's worth a billion dollars, and he does comedians and cars getting coffee, and he seems to be. Well, I, th- I think that there's a skill with putting people at ease that yeah. that maybe you don't have a lot of com- in common with, or maybe they're not. I think I think it's difficult. Mm-hmm. And do you really want to go to all that effort? Because I mean, like, okay, Seinfeld, yeah, he's doing it for that. But if he like runs into somebody at the grocery store, if he goes to the grocery store himself <laughs> right. and runs into someone, you know, like, it's still, is I he mean, gonna? That's a show. Is he gonna strike up a conversation? Exactly. Right. Are they gonna be like, hey, did you hear about this? You know, like, what about the weather? You know, like mm-hmm. he, he's just gonna be like, no. <laughs> In my mind, that's how that goes. You I know, agree. yeah. It's just like I, I don't. This isn't worth it. <laughs> so this is the first of seven Eddie Murphy movies to open number one. Um, seven movies, and this isn't, you know, like this isn't Star Wars. This isn't Marvel. This isn't. I mean, this is like comedy original yeah. IP you know um, what do you think are the top three Eddie Murphy movies um, well like block so we're talking about like blockbusters no we talk, like, no, you can talk about no we can talk about favorite? your favorites I love coming to America coming to America is definitely number one there's no question um, I love um, Harlem Nights is actually a really funny one that I've seen repeatedly, but because it has like Richard Pryor, Red Fox, uh, is it? It's not Delta Burke, is it? No. Just I don't know Harlem Nights. Not her. Anyway, there's another woman. Della Reese. Uh, Della Reese. Um, <laughs> she's in it, and you can edit that out, right? Uh, and so. Uh, so embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> but Harlem Nights is a great one. Um, it has, and then, uh, and then you know, Boomerang is hilarious. Um, I think those are probably the ones that stand out. Like you said, Golden Child. I remember thinking Golden Child was strange, um, and it was a different type of role for him. But, uh, but nonetheless, something that I watched um, quite a bit as a kid too. So yeah, my three are Beverly Hills Cop. Coming to America and Trading Places. Ooh. Trading Places I, yeah. is great. I love Trading Places. Uh, and I love Trading Places. I love Beverly Hills Cop, but Trading Places makes me laugh out loud more. Yes. Yeah, Trading Places Cop. is great. But it's not an action movie. You know, Beverly Hills Cop is comedy and action. Yeah, well, but Trading Places is just, I I will laugh out loud. <laughs> okay. I love that one. Mm-hmm. Yes, so that's, that's my, such that's a great one. Three. That didn't even cross my mind. And Coming to America is great and is classic and we all love that too, but Trading Places is really funny. Is it because Eddie Murphy isn't the only one carrying Trading Places? Well, Dan Aykroyd is great. Dan Aykroyd is amazing in that movie. They really complement each other really well in that. Where is 48 Hours in this? I like 48 Hours. You know how I look at 48 Hours? I look at 48 Hours and it was like... It was like the forgotten. It's almost like when people talk. People really talk about like, um, you know, Pulp Fiction and say, "But have you seen Reservoir Dogs? Like the one that preceded that? That was that was maybe a little bit more low key, yeah, successful. Like I feel like Forty Eight Hours is that one too, where it's like the kind of the forgotten one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was almost like a warm up for for this one. Yeah, and it's all, Nick Nolte. I think has more screen time. 
yeah. than Eddie. I think it takes like 20 or 30 minutes to get Eddie Murphy in the movie. Yeah. Uh, but like every scene he's in is just amazing. Like, yeah, I, I like 48 Hours. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't it's immediately not pop into your mind. Super funny, no. But mm-hmm. not, But yeah. It's the same same way. But yeah. I also I like Nick Nolte. I feel like even like some of the soundtrack of 48 Hours is like you even hear is there similarities between the soundtrack used in that movie and the soundtrack used in um, some following uh, action movies in the 80s? I feel like there's a lot of overlap. I think, yeah, I think, that, I think, I think that was sounds. I think that was you know the trend. Yeah. yeah. So maybe it was the same like mm-hmm. sound editor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we're, so we, we have this great decade and then like post-1990 what are your favorite Eddie Murphy movies? And like kind of what do you think happens with them? Wow. Um, so post, I get it's hard for me. Like the decades blend. You want, do you want me to point. say mine? Um, yes. Boomerang, um, distinguished gentleman, and I think you got to say Ned Professor. Even though he does all that other stuff later, where he's like, it's the only thing he's doing is the costume changes and all that stuff. But like that, for when you first saw Ned Professor, you were like, this is great. It was brilliant. Yeah. Like the fact that he kind of went back to just I'm gonna do characters mm-hmm. like he did in Coming to America, and um, like. I think he really like enjoys the costume and the makeup and, and doing the characters. Thank um, you. He, he does a great job at it too. What he should have done is had his own production company and then he's making movies that kind of fit for him instead of like them like, hey, let's, why don't you do this? Because I mean, I think the scripts and stuff he was doing is not, he's too big of a star and too, he's so much to be in these like kind of like little bitty movies that he was in that like didn't, Vampire in Brooklyn or all I never Metro or all these kind of he was one where he's like a like a, like a meditator um, Hindu kind of guy like mm-hmm. there's all kinds of stuff like that it was like, kind of like what Eddie Murphy's so much better than like all of these movies that he's coming out with so what happened like what happened between the 80s and the 90s that these, he had these amazing buddy cop shows what it's amazing um, successful movies that all of a sudden like was it what changed? Well, I think he was so successful and like on such a hot run. He had got through a divorce, was going through some things, probably and then, financial, and, and then kind of like, what do you want? What do, am I doing this for money? Am I doing this for audience? Am I doing it for me? Like, what do I want to do? And kind of like not really knowing probably mm-hmm. the answer. I mean, you have to have yeah. some really clear goals when you're like. I that remember big. watching Metro and not being blown away at all. Mm-hmm. I've probably seen it. Yeah, I saw it once in a theater. Same you know? here. Yeah, and Beverly Hills Cop three is awful. Beverly Hills Cop three is but bad. But when you when you go into a movie like have, with those giant expectations and it doesn't meet them, then the next movie they come out with, you're not quite as pumped to see mm-hmm. it because mm-hmm. it's like they've let you down. You know, you're carrying all of they are carrying all of that. You know. Yeah. So like, as an actor, like, do you think as a whenever you're done shooting, do you think you do you think an actor feels I just made a great movie or I just made a really bad movie or there's no real, no real way to tell but there's no flow for how it's being shot? Like, Does an actor feel like we just we nailed that? I think what from what I've read and in interviews that I've heard, it can go both ways. But So it generally has to um, do with how the feelings were on the, the set like during the whole making of the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of actors that have very interesting interviews where they're just like, I just knew this movie was going to be terrible because the four months I spent making this movie were the worst four months of my life. Mm. And then the movie comes out and it's amazing. 
and everyone loves it. Well, and really? I think because yes. they, could, they could do a whole lot in the editing. And Absolutely, they can. It's they a lot can more. Do. Or, or if it's like good on there, but then they got executives saying, "Hey, wait, you need to put this part out. We need to cut this in, and then it can make the movie worse." So well, it's like, and I think we put so much uh, cachet into the people that are in the movie, and but so much of the movie's success and how it makes us feel depends on the people behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. You know, the people cutting that together, the director, the script writing, the like, the all of that. What did they choose to put in there? The music, absolutely, you know? And so, I I don't know. Like, I don't know. So that's tough, because Eddie, Eddie Murphy could have been like, man, we just had a blast. We still Metro. It's going to be a great movie. It comes out and it's like, what the heck? Yeah. And this is not Eddie Murphy. Like, whatever. Like, you know, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like, I don't know what kind of reviews it got. I'm sure it had great like opening weekend you know okay. money and then it fizzled out I don't know and keeping in mind that these interviews I'm talking about these are years after the movie comes out you know what yeah. I'm saying too and so you have to think that no matter what their experience was like making the film or whatever they thought about it their job is also for the press junkets is to talk about how amazing this movie is mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. we can get people to say it so no matter what the no matter what the you know websites feeling not just magazines but whatever was going on behind the scenes that people heard and read about everyone it's not often that an actor before the movie's release is going around just talking shit about the movie they just made well and also they're all going on and on about how amazing it is they have to to well and also that would be colored by the actual success of the movie like years Mm -hmm. later you'd be like oh well I can't say like yeah I thought that was going to be the best and then people are like what is he an idiot you know is there something to be said for Eddie Murphy's like in his 30s in the early 90s and then like we've got this young kid Will Smith popping up and then he kind of takes that place. He's kind of takes some of the roles that were meant for him. Maybe. Or like what if what if Eddie Murphy had been in like a Quentin Tarantino movie or something? You know, I mean he could have done like some different things instead of just doing like kind of the comedy thing kind of his bread and butter for that he did in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that was Sam Jackson's job to do that. Well, and and so many of those like actors that do amazing, you know, then do they keep on with the blockbusters, you know, and just wait for the next blockbuster, the next paycheck, or are they trying to do, I feel like some of the people that I just really love the most, they really get into more independent after they've really hit it because then they can do whatever they want and they're like, directors. yeah, yeah. if they're really talented, they've got all that backup, then they can really just kind of get right in there and do what they want. Want, and then you're like, then and you can see that, and mm-hmm. you, you really see what what they're wanting from their movies, and maybe people, other people see that, and well, let's approach him with this movie, but let's approach her with this movie because she also did this, and so obviously there's some interest there, and they did amazing, and, and I think it's also mm-hmm. making like I know that I'm funny, and I know that I can make everyone laugh, mm-hmm. and so that's why so many of them like now I want to I want to act. Yeah. Like, can I make? Role. Can yeah. I also make them? Can I cry? make them feel? Like yeah. yeah. Can I make I them? Think a lot yeah. of it is that as well. well yeah. I think he's about to go into his like final act of his career, starting now, right? Mm-hmm. Where he's now got new buzz surrounding did his, Dol- his performance mm-hmm. with Dolomite. He's going to be back on Saturday Night Live. He's going to do a Saturday Night Live. He's going to go on tour. I can't uh, wait for that. Start, by the way, we gotta he's going to start touring his stand-up again. Mm-hmm. Right. So he's like, this is Act Three of Eddie Murphy. Um, I mean, I think he's he still like creates a buzz. So I'm rooting for him. I think he'll do fine. <laughs> is there any movie larger than anyone as Eddie Murphy in Nevertheless Cop? Like as far as like performance. I mean, is it? That's hard to answer. 
Is it Arnold in the Terminator? I mean, is it Tom Cruise in Top Gun? I mean, is there anybody who, like, you know what? This guy's a star, and this is, like... But those are completely different, completely different movies, and also completely different character actors. I think when you say that about so many movies, I instantly think of Dahard. Well, and I mean, like, those... All those people you just named off, they're just strictly action movie kind of people, really. You know? I mean, um... I don't know, Arnold and I mean, you could also Kindergarten Cop. Yeah, Jodie Roberts, Pretty Woman. Yeah. You know yeah. yeah. Everyone was blown away. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mean, and that's a completely different type of film, but yeah, I, I think we could name many films where they just where that, that person there. is just so... And, and you're just like, just whoa. Like, yeah. yeah. Where did they come from? Yeah. They had you. Yeah. Absolutely. No, I, I don't know that any of the three that you just mentioned, I don't know that that's... No. Does Eddie Murphy peak with this movie? That's a tough I, question. I'd say it's hard to say he peaked in this movie because I feel like even Beverly Hills Cop Part 2 was it's at least it's equal. If not, people thought even a little bit better, right? Um, I didn't. I thought it was good. But I'm in the camp. Better. Yeah. So I, it's hard to say that it peaked if the if the, if the if the sequel actually performed mm-hmm. really, really well too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess is my point. Yeah. I think that also speaks a lot to the strength of Eddie Murphy that the sequel was also he so was, good. He was still rising. Yeah, I would yeah. say peaked at this movie. You know, I mean the writing had to be good for that. All of all of the supporting stuff had mm-hmm. to be good for that, but for him to be able to carry that because you could watch that completely independently and still just love it. I think so. You know, without even having watched the first one. Mm-hmm. Netflix is gonna do Beverly Hills Cop Four. This just came out like this just we got word about this a few days ago. How can they make it good? So I was thinking about this. Um like they, what could this look like? They, right? we need to be on the development team yeah, for this movie. Like what, what <laughs> we do. How can we make that happen? Follow, right? And while I think like Eddie Murphy is still youthful enough to pull off like being kind of still in the field um, that it could be cool with him being kind of the new Inspector Todd like he's he's now more relegated to a desk but you know kind of definitely um, involved in what his investigators are doing or what his detectives are doing I think that could be fun and having a new young kind of mm-hmm. Axel Foley part two just some, some other young uh, actor of today to do that that, that could be fun Obviously, there's one of a million ways they can go with that, but that's the first thing that comes to mind. I want them to bring everybody back. Mm-hmm. Judge Reinhold, John Ashton. I don't know if Ryan Cox is still alive. If he is, let's bring it. Let's bring... Oh, I think he passed. I'm not sure. Let's bring the chief from the first one. Let's bring Hut... Hut Lutz. Lutz. Let's bring Lutz back. Let's bring, uh, let's bring everybody back. Uh-huh. Um, that would make me happy. Um, I don't know narratively what they should do. Yeah, I mean it's it's crowded at that point. I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure you can make Very it work, crowded. right? I'm sure they could at least have a big police department scene. Where you give us some po' boys a week in a hotel room. We'll bang out we'll the script. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So how far along are they then? Because a lot of times I feel I feel like you hear about Netflix putting a movie out and then like the next week it's already out. I don't think it did. Well, it's not shooting. They have not shot this yet. Have a script yet. I think that I think the person who wrote Coming to America Two is going to write it. Oh, really? Which industry people say, oh, it's hilarious. So, like, I don't know. I don't know. We don't know yet. Right. Yeah. If Coming to America 2 is going to work or not. Yeah. Um, and and I, get, I mean, a lot of these actors who are older, they want to go back to those old roles. Like, that's what Harrison Ford was doing. Um, 
I'm ready to go see uh, Top Gun too when it comes yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Top Gun, yeah. I can't wait. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't wait to see an old Maverick. Uh-huh. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> and I think if that, like, we were talking about that earlier on the podcast. We we're talking about when we did the Top Gun podcast. If that's like Creed, like where it's like this younger pilot and say it's like um, Goose's son or whatever, if they make it like that, like that, mm-hmm. that can be good as opposed to because we're like, what is it? Like Goose's son hates him. He doesn't know who he is or whatever. It's like kind of like volleyball and all that stuff, all that kind of stuff. It's kind of lame, but it's like, can we lean into this a little bit? Mm-hmm. And like, you know, yeah. Be. Let's remix the ingredients. So Scorsese was talked about talked about directing when it was a Stallone movie. Does it he lose all the magic of this film if he's directing this? Yes. If we want it to be um, as fun as funny as it is, yes. It would be like beautiful. It would be can, a beautiful buddy cop movie. He can, and the action <laughs> scenes would be amazing. Yeah. But comedy it, comedy would be lost. You know what? Yeah. I, I agree that the comedy would be lost and probably Eddie Murphy wouldn't be the guy that would do it but couldn't you also see this movie being a, just a great a different kind of magic a great yeah. movie if it was done to just, just to be action drama yeah. yeah a gritty cop crime drama yeah mm-hmm. it'd be great it would, it would just be, be one of my favorites that I watch all the time <laughs> <laughs> I'm Wouldn't like it? yeah and then you'd be like Carrie name your favorite Scorsese you know Scorsese films are like Beverly Hills Cop Beverly Hills Cop <laughs> 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 it would just be completely different, you know. Wait, it probably wouldn't be called that. It'd be like be the, Tan- the Tantino <laughs> murder, the Tantino, no, like LA uh, death, LA, LA, LA death. death, something. Yeah, death in LA or death in Beverly Hills. <laughs> Coming to you next year, sound Maitland's like a, Warehouse. It'll sound <laughs> yes. like an Agatha Christie novel yeah. title. <laughs> yeah. Would you watch a TV show with Rosewood and Taggart? Yes, I would. Of course. If it was, yeah. it was those two. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there, there, there's a lot of scenes of just those two in this movie that are hilarious. Hilarious. Um, where Rosemont or Rosewood is just, you know, is I don't know if he's being like motherly or if he's being like. Oh, he's, always, like he's always being motherly. But he's he just is. like, I just think you eat a lot of red meat. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Half, I mean, half, I, you drink a lot of coffee. It's, half that's why I have a hard time relaxing. <laughs> Taggart doesn't even have to say anything. The looks Taggart mm-hmm. gives him when Rosewood says stuff are classic. They I are. And so the two of them together, it's hilarious. And I think you could, you could, you could, they could carry a show mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, I'd watch it. <laughs> we can develop that for Netflix too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they, they add it to our like, list. <laughs> it, it, you know, there's a lot of like really like. Is there any more like iconic buddy cop scene than like the stakeout where they're both sitting in the you know, front seat of other car and whatever they're doing. One of them's probably eating. The other one's just like, you know, stressing about his home situation, his home life, while they're waiting just for hours patiently in a car. No, it's usually all just very actiony. Mm-hmm. Or like, I like that scene though. But like, Naked Gun has that scene where they're where uh, Leslie Nielsen and I don't even know who the actor who plays his partner is, but they're in the front and he's just eating peanuts <laughs> and all these shelled peanuts. But he's throwing out the window. Yes. At the end, he just open the door and he can't because there's shelled <laughs> yes. peanuts everywhere. Anyway, just like that, 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 those scenes, I, I, I appreciate. I well, like those, and you those. really have to have strong character actors in those scenes. And a lot of action movies don't necessarily have that because they're relying on the what's happening to carry the film, yeah. not the people in it. Yeah. I think there's some. Um, I think there's some great scenes in *Lethal Weapon* that aren't all the action scenes. They have gate, uh, gate. They have great chemistry together. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mel Gibson and 
uh, Danny Glover. Oh, they yeah. do. And Absolutely. They, they're just just them standing and talking and all the exchanges with uh, uh, with Riggs with his family. Mm-hmm. Those are all really great scenes. Yeah. Well, and, and no action required. I, I love miss it. I, I miss those kind of action movies where it, there were peaks and valleys, like as far as what's happening. Mm-hmm. I feel like so many action movies, it's just like. Yeah, so for an entire two hours, Nowadays, it was yes. nonstop, you know? Like, nonstop action? Nonstop That's action. All it is now. And, uh, and it, it doesn't give you any kind of appreciation for any particular scene or anything because it's just, it's just nonstop. You don't have time to slow down and kind of reflect or, you know, really. It, it, I think it has a lot to do with storytelling and the people that are involved. And now it's just like, yeah, well, we know this makes money. So mm-hmm. let's just churn out another one of those. Yeah. Let's talk about Jenny Summers. Oh. Um, she isn't a love interest in this movie, which is, I think, perfect. It That's does, refreshing. It shoehorn it in. That's refreshing. Um, so, do we like her? Do we need her at all? Like, what do we think about Jenny Summers? I like her. I think that we do need her. Um, and I love that she doesn't have sex with anyone in the movie. I love that her relationship with these two guys, these two, that they grew up together, they never talk about any kind of sexual relationship. They were just three buddies that grew up together. I like her affection for both of them. Mm-hmm. She, it seems that she loves them like brothers. Mm-hmm. I think she is very smart and confident. Yeah, if this was a Scorsese film, there definitely would have been a love scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, in most films, sadly, if there's a woman and, 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 uh, and with also, two men, there's got to be a love scene. Yeah, we're, exactly. we're, we're one of them has a sexual past with her. Yeah. I love how they're driving. They're like in her car. She and Eddie Murphy, and he's like, "Yeah, I should have. I should have gone to college for art." You know? Is yeah, it, is it too late <laughs> for me to study art. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's hilarious because that is definitely not what you she's think. She's driving just a beautiful, you know. Which Mercedes I mean, we know that that even in that movie, that's the only reason that happened is because they're like selling drugs and bonds. She's probably and a stuff. company car. They're like, yeah, you know, just take this. She she thinks it's like all the art, you know, and everything. Right. Like yeah. art pays off, and you know, love conquers all. And but, then she realizes know, that is not true. <laughs> it's not true, but you know, he was like uh, Victor Maitland, right? Yeah. Is the yes. is this the owner of this of this company? Um, and he's like one of the most respected art dealers. Is that what she says about him, or is it does she give him? Does she say like? He's one of the most respected something in it his was, area. It was art dealer. He has a respected art dealer. It was art dealer, which is hilarious. a great cover-up for his because drug business. A great cover-up. Because like, as soon as he walks into the gallery, there's like those heads on plates that are like spinning around, and it looks ridiculous. And it's like, <laughs> he's the most way. respected art dealer. What are the other art dealers selling? Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> I always thought that piece was very cool and very interesting. He's like, that's $350,000. And he's like, okay. <laughs> well, I... So it's it's also interesting that he goes he goes to the office every day and he puts on this gray robe as he's sitting in his office yes. in in <laughs> Beverly Hills with um what is that actor's name who plays his his number one his thug the guy yeah. from Breaking Bad the guy Mike. from Breaking Bad Mike is it it's Mike in Breaking Bad right? I always always I can't remember uh, the actor's name I always say Mike yeah but I would he would be great to come back in part in part. <laughs> But uh, I just I always thought that scene was was hilarious where uh, with the robe where he's just sitting in the robe and um, the, the eye contact that's being made between you know like you didn't finish the job and now we have a problem and there's a lot of good eye contact in that in that scene. There's a lot oh, of good that's eye contact. Terrible. Yeah. <laughs> 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 to 
Detroit's a violent city. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's, it's just it's. Yeah, I think that's kind of where where like Axel Foley kind of figures out like like something's up, something's up in this room. Um, anyway, great. Which scene. is why he wanted to get up there because he's better in the moment mm-hmm. and you know just like following leads and sniffing okay. out things that don't feel right. You yeah. know, he's very much does this feel right? Does this? Yeah. Why do, kind keep, of, why do you keep bothering Victor Mayland? I think it's, it's, it's what's being asked of him as he stalks him throughout the movie. <laughs> Who's your favorite character who isn't Axel Foley? Mm-hmm. I like Taggart. Taggart's my favorite. Was he your favorite? Um, I, I appreciate like his qualities, like uh, his loyalty and his kind of like, just like, not just loyalty to other people, but to the job. Like, mm-hmm. and this is what I signed up to do is to, pr- to protect people. It's not about who's doing that, but are we getting it done? You know, because like we were talking about earlier, uh, like it's in the strip joint, you know, that's when he kind of sees that, yeah, he's a real cop and he's got these real instincts and maybe I should take him seriously. Mm-hmm. You know, he wasn't up to that point because he just thinks he's a clown and all of that. But that's when he's really got Taggart. And I appreciate that, that he... He was waiting for that moment to see that he, yeah, he can definitely do this job. There's probably more to this right. than we originally thought, you know? And, um, so I, I just really love that. And, and he, uh, he doesn't take himself too terribly seriously, you know, kind of, kind of jokes around a little bit, but the, the only person who's more serious than him is the chief. It's true. <laughs> yeah. I like, um, Inspector Todd. Mm-hmm. I think he's mm-hmm. just cool. I think he, I, um, you could tell that they're old school cops, but like even even that scene when you, talk, when you talk about words, Axel Foley learning to be a good cop, and you could probably say it's from Inspector Todd, right? Because mm-hmm. um, he's just like, I like it when he breaks down the the sequence of, of like whatever Axel's kind of nursing his wounds from being knocked out in the hallway. Um, he's like, this whole thing stinks to high heaven. You got, you guys like you got. Professional hit. Professional hit. Yes, I love that. Know, know, in a cop's apartment. Like, this whole thing stinks that I have. He's like, well, how do you know it was a professional hit? He's like, he was, a, he was like, whoever, whoever killed your friend didn't, did, what, wasn't worried about your little narrow ass. Exactly. Uh, he's like, like they, they, when they came in there specifically looking for him, got in, got out. So, again, I appreciate his police instincts as well. Um, and kind of how they're going to kind of solve that crime. Although, it doesn't look like they're making like, any, any progress. Better, any progress no. on that crime. But then you can also see Axel, how... Axel yeah. goes and takes the lead and solves that crime. Absolutely. But you can also see how he puts himself out in front of Axel. You know, he's mm-hmm. like, I just got half my ass chewed out or whatever, yes. you know. And he's and then you see him walking away. He's like, you still got some left. And he puts his neck out for a cop who just destroyed, like... Uh-huh. Six city blocks right. in Detroit. Because he sees he sees that talent. He mm-hmm. sees he sees that he can do the job and he has good instincts. Yeah, he and he's, sees himself he's, in, in, he's trying in to action. develop that because he knows if he can develop that, then he's going to have an awesome cop on his hands. I like that that character is in part two. He's like, this is the guy with the cigarettes that day I told you about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, I, I just think he's great. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think you can kind of tell, like, you know, that they're old school you know, big city cops and that kind of do things the old way, but the, the tried and true ways and Beverly Hills is trying to be new, like cutting edge police force. But at the same work. time, you've kind of got that same feel because they're, 
not not the chief or anything, but you know their boss. He's at the end. He's sticking his neck out, you mm-hmm. know. But you kind of see what are they dealing with? They're having to deal with all of these politics. They're having to deal with the reality of being able to do the job because right. if they can't convince these people that hey, yeah, this is what needed to be done. Yes, we will absolutely get back in line. Then they're going to be off the job, and they're going to get somebody else in there. It's kind of funny you say that because like the the short way of doing it is cut corners mm-hmm, you, mm-hmm. You, you grease you grease the palms and you get things done to, to affect the police work whereas the, the Beverly Hills are like no like there's a process there's a, there's a procedure it's just we're by the book but eventually they kind of adapt and kind of they play loose with the rules a little to, bit to, more to make, loose to make the story fit or to make their narrative fit of what happened right because you did I mean there was probably like if, if you took this took these people to like court, there's probably like some a lot of like so many more, <laughs> right? Like uh, you violated like five of their civil rights. Right? <laughs> like you can't you can't do that. Well, because and it and it's a slippery slope because if you have people that aren't as trustworthy, aren't as yeah, they're trying to get this done for the good of society, you know. But they're doing that same thing. They're mm-hmm. greasing the palms. They're making sure, you know, like what for what benefit. Are they do are they doing this for themselves? Are they doing this for the city? Yeah. You know, because I mean, you could say the same thing about the art dealer. You know, because they're greasing palms to make sure to get their stuff out of customs oh, to yeah. get all the stuff out of it. So, I mean, at what point you gotta, did you got to play by the same set of rules? Mm-hmm. Sometimes. Carrie, did you say your favorite character? No, I didn't. And I probably Rosewood. I have Rosewood too. Mm. Yeah, I love Judge Reinhold. We should have him in our film. He does a lot of movies that we we've should never have seen. him in our film. We were talking about doing a film last <laughs> night. Yeah. Let's get Judge Ryan Waldman. Yeah, I don't know if he's busy or not, but I, we can ask. <laughs> what is the, the, the best knockoff of this formula? Because they took this movie and like they started making a bunch of movies kind of like this. I liked the like Jackie Chan and uh, what was it? Rush Hour. Rush Hour? Yeah, I loved Rush Hour. I love the like Rush Hour one and two. I, I really loved Rush them. Hour. I well that was that was at a. I don't know how old I was, but we, we like rewatched that a lot. Yeah. You, know? you were like 16. I was 16. <laughs> um, I'm to, uh, uh, just other buddy cops movies. Um, Carrie, you have to leave. So what we're going to do is what are your final thoughts? What's your doggy bag on Beverly Hills Cop? We're just going to skip ahead just for you. Okay, so that you can, you know, bathe and be hygienic for your life. For your thing? Okay. Well, first I do want to say something I mentioned to Scotty earlier that I have only thought about in recent years in my life um, because I was, you know, too young to really think about it. But uh, it makes me sad to think of his friend that died. And so, okay, even when I was younger, I loved the scene um, when they're having drinks and playing pool and he's like, Cause I love you, man. Okay. Well, I, it makes me sad. And I think about him a lot when I'm thinking about the movie now that I'm older, because I think, um, if he hadn't gotten busted and gone to that state school, maybe he could have become a cop one day too. Mm-hmm. Like Axel, because, yeah. uh, you know, that happened to him and look where, I mean, you know, and it he's could have just in and out of jail and working for people that are running drugs and then still in the bear bonds. And I just think um, if he hadn't gotten busted when he was young and gone away to that school, I think he would have had a different life. And I mm-hmm. just wanted to say that. Like, I think that's a sweet thing to say. And I also think that Axel Foley was doing all this for him, for Mikey. Yeah. Like, Agreed. Like, he was that, I mean, he was... He loved, loved him they too. Loved, they loved each other. I, mm-hmm. Yes. And his friend got 
you know, his head blown off in an apartment complex. He's like, I'm going to figure this out. And he ends up killing. So who killed um, the actual hitman? How did he die in this, in this movie? Axel. Axel. Axel, Axel shot shoots him, right? Yeah. yeah. He shoots, because he, they're, they're like chasing each other yeah. down in the, mm-hmm. in, in the house. So mm-hmm. he like kills him and his boss. He's also protecting yeah. their other friend though, Jenny, because she's in that. Yeah. She's in that. Yeah. And she's still, she's, he's trying to save her because she, this, this could and very well may happen to her at some point. Yeah. Oh, definitely. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to Great. say that. I love that. But, it, yeah, so um, that is one of my takeaways from the film. Is it's a great comedy, it's a great action, um, but I love when fi- when films uh, you know highlight a special relationship and a special friendship, mm-hmm. with, whether it's two girls or two that guys sacrifice. or a girl and a guy. And, yes, yeah. just friendship and love. And uh, yeah, because he sacrificed, he sacrificed himself, and you know spent more time in that school than he maybe would have had he given Axel up. And, and now Axel's sacrificing his possible career, yeah. you know, like mm-hmm. to make sure mm-hmm. this happens. So he's, you know. So Mikey's your favorite character? Maybe uh, yeah. I like Mikey a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he's not. I'm he's not in it very long, but. He's absolutely. funny. He's, yeah, I can see why Axel and he were buddies. Mm-hmm. I would, I think I told you that before. I would go have it. I would go hang out with Mikey. I would totally go have drinks with him. I would probably be like, mm, I'll sit this one out when he's going to steal the car and stuff. But I would totally be up to hanging out with him because he's a lot of fun. He's a lot of fun. He's a lot of fun. Brings a lot of good energy to the room. Mm -hmm. That's right. What's your favorite song from the soundtrack? Mm, Yeah. That's really tough, but I really love Neutron Dance. and uh, Neutron Dance is great. The heat is on. I mean, you got to love it. And you talked about when we were here last summer and we were listening to it on vinyl that the strip club song isn't on the soundtrack. It is not on the soundtrack, no. And that song's by Vanity. And it's called what? Are you a nasty girl? Nasty it girl. might be called nasty girl, but yeah. Um, I like <laughs> just the song that's just called Axel Foley. Ax- Axel F. Axel yeah, F. Axel F. Yeah. Yeah. yeah why did not I bring that one up? Of course. That's my favorite. It's the best. Mm-hmm. Oh lord. It's and it's just it's just the keyboard or whatever, isn't it? It's a yeah. Mm-hmm. It's great. Um. So, we have a soundtrack as well. We have it on vinyl. Um, and we play it randomly some mornings when we're just hanging out, having breakfast, and, you know, open the windows up, put on the record. It's a, it's a good one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, the doggy bag. What's your takeaway from the film? What's the legacy? Mm. What does it mean to you? So, I mean, obviously, it means... Nirvana knockoffs. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of people that I think the studios are trying to be like p- 
position the next Eddie Murphy, and they all like kind of fail. They're trying like to even, capture that. Like magic. even when they put in like Chris Rock, oh, we got this great guy, Chris Rock, let's bring him in and put him into some movies or whatever. Like it's just. It feels more slapstick, though, you know, like when they're trying to, as much as I love those movies, um, it feels more slapstick. Like, you never, you're never just like, oh, now they're trying to make this funny. You know, it's just, it's part of the movie. It's part of Chris Rock. It always feels real, Mm -hmm. you know? It doesn't feel forced. um, And he's really, it's two movies and what you've got comedy and action. And there wasn't a whole lot of that before this. Like, it was just strictly comedy, strictly action, you know, like this is your slot. This is what we're doing here. And so you may have an actor that can do comedy and can do action, but they're definitely not doing it all in one. And that could speak to their specific talents or it could speak to the writer, the director, you know, what they're trying to accomplish, what they're letting them accomplish. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, no, he just, I think it's just more that it all feels real. None of it feels fake and, oh, well now he's putting on this fake persona you know, all of it, all of it, the loyalty, the, uh, the hilarity, the just talking his way into things, that's all him and his character. And you never, there's, there's not really a fake note in that for me mm-hmm. with him. It's, um, it's real. It's real. And, uh, so yeah, it, it just brings kind of like this honesty and innocence almost, you know, because he's just, yeah, you know, he's going to sacrifice everything to make sure that this happens. And you get the feeling that it's not just because it's his friend. It's not just because um, it's his other friend, Jenny, and he's trying to protect her. But that's just who he is as a cop. Mm-hmm. And that's who these other guys are as cops. You know, like if they can do the right thing, they're going to do that no matter what. My takeaway, my doggy bag. Red Lowe's Cops, one of my favorite. It's like one of my top five of all time, at least. Had the right director to let Eddie Murphy go big in this. The cast is great, and Eddie Murphy makes them all better. And that's the magic of Eddie Murphy. And I want to live in this world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, you guys. Um, thanks for giving us a listen. Uh, if you want to check us out, check out some of our other podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at Mac and Cheese Movie. Give us a rating on Apple Music or... Uh, Just enjoy the show and live your life. Don't worry about us. We got cocaine and coffee here. We're going to get wired and have a big party. Good night. (laughs) (laughs) I pushed play on Neutron Dance and it's giving me an ad. I feel like they should definitely be included on the podcast. Yeah, this one does. I like their jackets. <laughs> this is the opening scene. This is when he's being dragged in the truck. Yeah. <laughs>